transitioning today from a time on a sermon series from the Sermon on the Mount back to our series in Exodus. And we'll be reading today from Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 through 27. And Greg will be preaching to us today. And before he comes, let's read that scripture together. Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 through 27. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, And they encamped there by the water. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. And we're going to pray right now that God would be with Greg as he comes uh, to bring the word to us. Father, I pray right now that you would work through Greg's preparation, through his time spent in prayer and study and writing and rewriting and practicing. Use all of that preparation And guide it even now to speak your words from your scripture to our hearts. Prepare us to listen and receive what you have for us this morning. Amen. Well, I'm stealing his prayer. I'm just going to get into it. That was awesome. So we are back in Exodus. And in the fall, we looked at the first 14 chapters of Exodus. And we learned that God is the God who saves. So we saw God rescue out of slavery and defeat injustice and bring judgment on an idolatrous nation and an egomaniacal leader. And we saw God pass over the Israelites and deliver them to freedom. And so if you're exploring Christianity and you're wondering, what's one thing I should know? It's this. God saves. And so now we're back looking at the rest of the story of Exodus And we're going to see, you know, at least two things in this series. So first, God's a God who saves, and uh, God's people need to be saved. So, God's people were just set free from slavery, and now they grumble. And they complain a lot about how God isn't caring for them. They accuse God of trying to kill them. Uh, And then eventually, they just all out abandon God and start worshiping idols, Um, So God's people were saved, but they still need to be saved. Um, And second, despite Israel's grumbling and apostasy, um, God is incredibly patient with them. God responds to their grumbling by revealing more of himself and giving more of himself. He responds to grumbling with miraculous provision and miraculous grace. And the ultimate thing that God gives Israel, and the ultimate thing God gives us, is his presence. 
the whole point of the Exodus was so to bring Israel to God so that they could know him. Even as God's people are bitter and frustrated and disloyal to God, God remains patient with them and promises his presence. Right? Despite many opportunities for God to reasonably leave Israel and say, okay, have it your way. He fulfills his promise to be with them, to be their God, to dwell among them. And God led them in the wilderness so that he could give them his presence. That's the climax of this whole episode that we're going to be building up to in the final chapter. God's presence is the thing that he keeps providing to his people even as they constantly fail him. So that's why God saved Israel, so that they would have him. So today's passage is our first grumbling episode, um, and it's a great introduction to you know, what we're going to see as the series goes on um, in the wilderness wanderings. So as we look at this passage today, we're going to see three things. Bitterness in the wilderness, provision in the wilderness, and promises to come. So bitterness, provision, and promises. And I will still pray despite having been prayed over so well. God, thank you for your word that is given for our good, and I pray that you would open our hearts to receive it and to be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so first, bitterness in the wilderness. So let's remember where we left off. Israel has been enslaved in Egypt for generations, and God raises up Moses as a leader to stand before Pharaoh and to demand that Pharaoh let his people go. And Pharaoh says no many, many times. So God sends ten plagues. Uh, and finally, Pharaoh relents and he says, get out. As Israel le- is leaving, God leads them into the wilderness rather than taking the direct route. Um, so they're on their way to the promised land. But first, God takes them into the desert. Uh, and then Pharaoh changes his mind and decides, no, he doesn't want his people to leave. Uh, God's people to leave. So he gets his entire army and chariots and, you know, everything, and he goes after Israel. So now Israel is stuck. They've got the sea on one side. They've got Pharaoh's army on the other, and they're in the middle of the wilderness, um, and there's no way out. And God miraculously parts the Red Sea so that Israel can pass through on dry ground, but the waters come crashing down on Pharaoh's army. So Israel is free. And now they're in the wilderness. And Tyler gave one of the best sermons ever preached at CBC on what it means to be in the wilderness. November. Check it out. It's online. And this is what he said. Here's the summary. The wilderness is the place where you are not in control, but God brings you there so that you learn that he is in control and he is enough. You aren't in control, but God is, and God is enough. And every one of us, we're either still in slavery or we're in the wilderness. So here we are, all right? Israel just crossed the Red Sea, right? Miraculous salvation. God literally piled up the waters so that Israel could walk through on dry ground and miraculously let them crash down on their enemies. It's the greatest salvation they've ever even heard of, let alone experience, right? And now they're still in the wilderness, And so three days in, they're wandering, and no water. So by now, their water skins, their canteens are empty. They're drying out. And 
Now, you can actually go weeks without food, um, but you can't survive just a few days without water, um, especially in the middle of the desert in the Sinai Peninsula. So if the people don't find water soon, they will die. All right? So, you know, three days of no water means something must happen fast. And then a wonderful thing happens. They find water. Right? Salvation. We can drink. We'll survive. But it's undrinkable. It's bitter. So that probably means it's full of, you know, natural pollutants or contaminants or undrinkable materials. Okay? So the water is undrinkable the way that, like, salt water is undrinkable. Or water flowing through lead pipes is undrinkable. Um, so it's, it's not safe to drink. So, you know, so much for salvation. Right? Three days wandering, no water in sight, and now bitter water. It's like a huge slap in the face. Right? I mean, it's worse than finding no water. It's finding water and then realizing you can't drink it. Right? So now, I suspect a lot of us know how that feels in life. Right? Like, maybe you've been struggling financially, right? Wondering how you're going to make the bills. And, you know, you remember this past year, you struggle. Are we going to have enough money for presents? And, you know, you don't see an end in sight, but then you get some news. Like, there's an opportunity for change, but maybe it requires you sacrificing your character or leaving your family, and that's the whole reason you're here. So, you know, it's like worse than not getting a break. It just is a big slap in the face. Or maybe you've been struggling in your marriage or with your kids, and, like, there's serious relational hurt. Right? You've been praying for a long time. You've been trying to hold it together. And you know, now they come to you and they say, I'm ready to make a change. You say, oh. and then they tell you what that change is. And you're like, you know, if you think this is the solution, I don't know what you think would make it worse. You know, whatever the situation, right, the so-called solution, it can feel worse than the disease you're dealing with. And rejecting it just makes us feel worse, right? Like, I'd rather have no water than, than water I can't drink. So, God took them out of Egypt into the wilderness and bitter water. And, you know, this is more than just a disappointment. Because the water isn't just bad. It's bitter. And that's significant. Okay? Pop quiz. When Israel eats the Passover... What kind of herbs do they eat? I knew I would get, I, you know, I had another line in there setting it up. Bitter herbs. Okay. Why? To remind them of the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. So Israel was rescued out of bitterness, given this statute to remind them of their bitterness, that they are leaving. And in the wilderness, the first thing they find is bitterness. In Egypt, they would have died in bitterness, and now in the wilderness, they can die from thirst or from bitterness. You know, I, I want us to sit in this for a moment because, you know, again, a lot of us can feel this way, right? So, you know, maybe you become a Christian and you're full of joy and enthusiasm because you recognize what Jesus has done for you. Uh, Right. We're elated because God forgives us. He set us free. But at some point, real fast. Bitterness. Right. Because our lives are still hard. Maybe maybe we're still married to a difficult spouse. Maybe we are a difficult spouse. 
Hey, maybe our kids are still rebellious. Our boss has a J-E-R-K personality type. Right? A loved one gets sick. We have addictions or habitual sins that don't just magically disappear. And so the elation and joy wears off real fast. You know, and we ask God, you know, I thought the bitterness was going to be over with this whole Jesus thing. Right? Why is my life still so bitter? Well, now Israel goes from bitterness to bitterness, and they grumble against Moses. You know, and, and you might say, why Moses? Well, two reasons for that. So first, Moses is the one that led him into the wilderness, after all, right? Moses is their leader, and Moses is the one who took him out of Egypt. And so if they're going to die in the wilderness of dehydration, it's Moses' fault, Right? And if he's their leader, it's his job to do something about it. So, and that's why they go to him, right, somewhat sarcastically, if you could say, and be like, um, so what are we supposed to drink, Moses? Right, hey, Moses, bitter water here, did you see? Uh, in the middle of the wilderness. You got an idea? What shall we drink, fearless leader? So this is a major vote of no confidence in Moses, and it won't be the last as we read through Exodus. And what's amazing is Moses has done everything right so far, right? He obeys God. He seeks God. He speaks with God face to face, right? And because he obeys God, he did this crazy thing of confronting the most powerful and dangerous man in the world and saying, let my people go, right? And obeying God, he raised his arms and held up his staff and parted the waters of the Red Sea. I mean, you know, let's try to imagine what it's like, right? They're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and, you know, you're the people, and you're, you're freaking out, and you see him just, like, standing there like this for, like, 12 hours. You kind of look like a fool. You know, the people aren't in this situation because Moses screwed up. They're in this situation because he didn't. But the people have no confidence in him, right? They're criticizing Moses, right? You know, what are we supposed to do here, Moses? Well, they have no idea what Moses has to handle. I mean, from their perspective, it looks like, you know, this guy doesn't include us in his stupid decisions. He didn't say, should we go to the wilderness? He just made a turn, right? They think he's leading us into a bad place. They're going to be in the wilderness for a while, by the way, if you don't know the story. You know, things were fine in Egypt. They had onions and leeks, garlic, all sorts of wonderful things to go with the slavery. Um, you know, so they say, we're going to die in the wilderness. Moses clearly, you know, he lacks wisdom. What's go- what shall we drink, Moses? You know, and of course, Moses is obeying God. Moses is sticking his neck out, bearing the burden, leading his people And the people do not appreciate it. And here's what I want to argue that we'll see as we go through. They don't appreciate it. They don't understand what he's doing because they can't. Because second, the reason people cry to Moses is because Moses is the mediator. Moses is the one who stands between the people and God. And now this can, you know, this can be a hard concept for us to sort of wrap our minds around. But in ancient Israel... To be the mediator meant that Moses was very strongly identified with God. They didn't confuse Moses for God, but he stood in God's place. So to cry out against Moses was to cry out against God. 
And we'll see examples of this later. So the people can't appreciate what Moses is doing because they don't appreciate what God is doing for them. Right? They don't trust Moses because they don't trust God. And you know, when you don't really trust God, then you aren't going to trust people in your life who are trying to follow God and trying to lead you. And you know, we don't naturally trust God. You know, and it shows. Right? So a lot of us, we don't trust God to get history right. Right? Like he's up there and you know, who knows how things are going to work out. So we get anxious. We get fearful for the future because who's in charge? Or we don't trust God to give us what we need more than what we want. And so we grab at it for ourselves, you know, just in case. We don't trust God to be there for us. So we keep looking at other options, right, in case things don't work out. And, you know, we plan accordingly. Um, Or we have some hypothetical disaster that we think is always around the corner. And so we just live in fear rather than trusting God. So we're paralyzed. And maybe, you know, we reject wise counsel because we don't trust God to figure things out. And we're stuck. And so our mistrust of God shows up in how we trust or don't the people God gives us to care for us. So if you have godly parents, but you don't trust God, then, you know, you're going to second guess your parents all the time. Right? If you have people in your life who you trust to lead you closer to God, but you don't trust God, then you, know, you, don't, you won't really trust those people. Now, of course, not every leader, not every parent is godly. But the point is, if we don't trust God, it won't matter if they are. And what I want to challenge us today is, do we trust God? That's the real question. Right? When you're in the wilderness, are you going to trust him? When bitterness comes into your life, and it will, when life is changing, when life doesn't make sense, are you going to trust God? If we're going to, we have to see how God provides. So that's our next point. Right? So first we've seen the bitterness in the wilderness. So second, the provision. So Moses cries out to God, and this totally weird thing happens. God showed Moses a log or a tree, um, and Moses throws the tree in the water. Now, think about how weird this is, right? The people are accusing you of leading them into a place where they're going to die. The water is bitter, and you throw a tree in the water. Now, I know you might be thinking, well, you know, this is the Bible. Weird stuff happens there, so, you know, whatever. You throw a tree. But, you know, remember, the people don't know they're in the Bible. Okay, it's weird to them, too. And, you know, I bet this was weird to Moses. I mean, can you imagine, right? He, you know, he, he didn't have a cell phone, so he just used his hand. He's like, you know, hey, God, you know, bitter water over here. You know, we really could use some help. A tree over there. Yeah, I see it. Right. I'm not really sure how this is relevant. See, the problem is the water. We need water, the tree, you know. And I'm, I mean, I don't know. Maybe God told Moses to throw it in. Um, but I don't know. Maybe Moses just knew. Like, if you're asking God about the water, and he says, hey, there's a tree over there, like, you probably, well, I guess that's the answer. I don't know. Um, so he throws the tree in the water, and it's healed. Right? The, the water becomes sweet. Minerals pollute. Like, whatever the problem was, totally removed. Crisis averted. God healed the water. You know, in case this wasn't clear, I want to really emphasize the point. God's solution to our problems don't always make sense. 
Sometimes God's solutions don't make sense to us. Right? Seriously, God shows Moses a log and tells Moses to throw it in and we'll fix things. And, you know, maybe Moses even said, like, will this work, God? And I mean, I could easily see God saying, just do it and find out. When God gives us a solution to our problems and we don't think it makes sense, we do it. It sounds good. Of course, we're like, yes, of course, you know. But, you know, when God speaks to us, and, you know, the main way he speaks to us is through the Bible. When he speaks and it doesn't make sense, well, we do it. Right? Or do we say, well, you know, I don't understand why God would say I shouldn't do this or that. And I I don't see what's wrong with it. And uh, to be only a little harsh, I wrote down not to be harsh, but I'll be honest. I don't care if you don't understand. I mean, I don't care if I don't understand. Right? If God speaks, like, who am I to say, well, you know, that's your opinion, God. Indeed, this whole episode, this whole little passage is an object lesson. God tells the people, this whole bitter water made sweet thing, I'm testing you. He says, but I'm not just testing you, I'm showing you who I am. I'm not just testing you, I'm showing you who I am. Now, many events in the Bible, they really happened. Okay, don't miss that. Don't get confused. They really happened. And... God orchestrated the events in such a way so that they have symbolic value. Okay? So the water was was really bitter and it was really healed. And there's a symbolic meaning to the bitterness and to the sweetness. Right? God uses these symbols. He designs these symbols in history so that he can teach us. Right? He's using the event to make a deep theological point. And if you read through the Old Testament and you see how the New Testament talks about it, you'll see it everywhere. Like God is telling a story in history and he's helping us, you know, follow what he's doing. So we see here, after God heals the water of its sickness, God says, right, this is sort of like the lesson, I am the Lord, your healer. Right? God healed the water to teach them that God heals more than water. Okay, so this is what the text says. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. And what's really interesting is that right after this episode, God leads them to 12 springs and 70 palm trees. So at Mara, when they get to the bitter water and Moses cries out like, hey, what are we? God could have said, just keep walking. Just keep your water right there. He could have done that, right? He's about to provide amazing provision, but he didn't. First, he healed the water, even though he was about to provide much, much more. 12 springs. That's a spring of water for each tribe of Israel. This is more than enough. And even though he's about to provide everything, he stops to teach them a lesson. So what is the lesson God is trying to teach the people at Mara? This is the lesson. We are bitter people that need to be healed. God is our healer. But we need to listen to his voice and obey his commands. God 
healed the water, and then he told the people, I'm the God who heals you. The problem with the water, which I just healed, that points to your problem, which I will heal. Right? The water was bitter, and I healed it. But what I want you to know is that you are bitter, and I will heal you. Israel is bitter. And this is more than their situation being bitter. Right? Israel has the creator God of the universe personally leading them, setting them free from horrible injustice and slavery, performing miracles for them, and they grumble against him. And you know, we know that we are bitter too. Right? As always, if you don't believe me, you can ask a family member and they will confirm. But, you know, I think we already know because that's why we self-medicate. Right? That's why we self-medicate with, whether it's with food or exercise or work or Netflix or alcohol. We self-medicate because we want healing. We know we need healing, but we reach for all these things and we see the consequences when the medication doesn't work. And God says what we need to do is listen to God's voice and obey his commands. And listening to God's voice means following him where he tells you to go. And in this case, right, ring, 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 that's in the wilderness. Like they're still in the wilderness for years. They get 12 springs and then God says, all right, let's get moving. And, you know, they're wondering, you know, are we out of the wilderness? Like, nope. 40 more, we're still in here for 40 years, it's going to be. Um, so, but remember, this is why God leads them in the wilderness. So that they will know that they need God, so that they will depend completely on God, and so God can comp- prepare them to be in his presence. Tyler rightly told us, until Jesus returns or we are with him, we are all in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, you only have two choices. You can go back to slavery, which means death, so don't choose that one. Um, Or you can listen to God's voice and obey his commands as he leads you through the wilderness. That's it. Back to slavery or obey God in the wilderness. And God makes this promise. If you listen to me, I will heal you. If you listen to me, I will heal you. Right? I mean, and like... I mean, you have, they cry out for water, and God does not promise, if you listen to me, I will provide you water. All right, I mean, he just did that. But he says the real lesson is, I'm going to heal you. You cry out for water, I heal you. God gives them this lesson to teach them. There's something you need more than water. I'll give you water, but I'll also give you deep spiritual healing. If you listen to me, I will heal you. So we've seen the bitterness, we've seen the provision. So finally, the promise is to come. Because if you've been listening, it's clear that this promise was not fulfilled in that moment. Right? God says, I am your healer, but he doesn't heal them in that moment. The people are still bitter. Moses didn't throw a tree in their hearts. Um, and we're going to see just how bitter they are as the story unfolds. So we can see even right here that this promise to be our healer hasn't been fulfilled in Exodus chapter 15. And we learn more about how it hasn't been fulfilled as we go on. So in our passage today, God gives a statute and a rule, right, he says. Um, But what this section, these few chapters of Exodus, 
are building to is leading them to Mount Sinai, where they are going to get the statute and the rule, the Ten Commandments, right? The law. So the people are being led to the mountain to receive the law, to receive the greatest statute. And the people all keep the law perfectly and everybody lives happily ever after. Not exactly, right? So, you you know, spoiler alert, it's not how it goes. Um, The people do not keep the law. And Moses in Deuteronomy, he prophesies that one day God will heal their hearts and he will write the law not on tablets of stone, but on their hearts. Because even back there, Moses knew we are not going to keep his statutes. We will not listen to God's voice and obey his laws until God heals us. And the entire Old Testament looks forward in hope to when that promise will be fulfilled. The story of the Old Testament is propelled by the longing for God to heal his people. So, fast forward several hundred years. And this Jewish man is on the scene and he goes around doing things that amaze people. So, you know, he preaches that the kingdom of God is at hand and he heals the sick and he casts out demons. You know, if you read through Mark's gospel, the the opening chapters pretty much just alternate like teach, heal, cast out demons, teach, heal, like like you get the point. Um, You know, when John the Baptist's disciples, they go to Jesus and they ask, are you the one who is to come? Right. They want to know. Are you fulfilling God's promises? And this is how Jesus answers. He says, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus points to his healing ministry as evidence that he is the promised one in responding to John. And there's a very interesting place in Matthew 8 where Matthew explicitly says that Jesus fulfills the promise to heal God's people. This is what he writes. And when Jesus enters Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law laying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And Matthew says, this is to fulfill what was spoken. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. When God promised at Mara to be our healer, the promise was fulfilled in Jesus. Now, I hope you're wondering, okay, you know, how does this all fit together? You know, we just did a big whirlwind tour of like 1,300 years of history. Um, Because the lesson at Mara is we're bitter people who need healing. And now Jesus is healing physical problems, but that's not everything God promised in our passage. Um, And you might also notice that Matthew says this was to fulfill the prophet Isaiah. Okay? He points to Isaiah, not to the waters of Mara. Now, remember, the whole Old Testament is developing this theme of God our healer. So you might want to know, well, what did... Isaiah say. What did Isaiah, did Isaiah say more than what we got in Exodus? Okay. Well, yes. In fact, Isaiah's prophecy tells us how these things fit together. So let me pick up from Isaiah 53, where Matthew references. So it starts. 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I, sh- I will divide with him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So Matthew looks at that prophecy. And he looks at Jesus healing the sick, the blind, the lame, the leprous, casting out demons. And Matthew says, Isaiah 53 is fulfilled. Because Matthew knew that when Jesus was healing our physical diseases, Matthew knows how the story ends. He knows that Jesus is healing our physical diseases, and that points to the ultimate healing that Jesus was going to accomplish. And Isaiah 53 tells us how. Jesus is our healer because he went to the cross. He's our healer because he bore the sin of many. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. God healed the bitter water at Marah by throwing a tree into the bitterness. But God healed the bitterness in our hearts by climbing a tree and taking upon himself all the bitterness of human history. Right? He bore the bitterness of our evil and sin. He bore the bitterness of our griefs and sorrows. He bore the bitterness of our slavery and wilderness wanderings. And Jesus forgives us and heals us so that we can have the Holy Spirit. The living waters welling up like springs inside of us. Jesus healed us so that we can drink to the full. We can be satisfied with his living water and never thirst again. God says that he will heal us if we listen to him and obey his voice. And the history of the Old Testament is that until God heals our heart, we won't. But this is the word for you to hear. Jesus is your healer. Jesus is your healer and it cost him everything to do it, but he did it. Jesus paid the price to heal you. That's why he came. So I know that you struggle to trust God. I know it's hard to believe that God will provide for you in the wilderness. But if Jesus climbed the tree of God's judgment to heal you, you can trust him. Right? You'll still cry out, why am I in this wilderness? And even when God surprises you with 12 springs and 70 date palms, you will still be dependent on following God's voice as he leads you in the wilderness. But he is with you. And he already paid the price to heal you. The bitterness you experience, Jesus experienced it already, more than you know. And if you thirst for his Holy Spirit, you will drink abundantly. So trust him and listen to his voice. And whether you've been a Christian for a long time or you're exploring life with Jesus for the first time, Jesus can heal whatever bitterness you are holding or experiencing. Let's pray.
Jesus, we thank you that you are our healer. We thank you that you will return and make all things new and wipe away every tear. Jesus, we, we cry out and we ask for more faith and more belief um, as we seek to obey you and to follow your voice. In Jesus' name we pray.